Welcome to the 8 News Show. You're here with us today for a very, very special uh, interview with um, some people here in Bridgetown who have suffered some very, very serious injuries from the jab. My name's Andrew Hughes. Co-hosting with me today is Dr. Mark Lofts, retired Dr. Mark Lofts. Hi there, Mark. Hi there, Andrew. And um, I have with me Ben... Uh, and Sharon Bonza. Welcome to the show, you guys. Hello. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. It is a morning. We're recording um, this episode from Bridgetown at Jay's house. It's a lovely little house that we recorded a little bit of a boozy session last night, um, and that was so much fun. And I know that you were listening in on that, Sharon, weren't you? Yes, I was last night. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? I did. Awesome. So before we get going, I'd just like to uh, appeal to our listeners that um, would would you please consider subscribing to the show? Um, Ideally, you'll install the Podbean app so that you can get notifications of when new shows come out. That'd be fantastic, as well as the fact that when we do do live streams, you guys can, um, you know, chat, uh, ask us questions via the chat, the built-in chat, and we can also take uh, call-ins. Um, so lots of things to do if you uh, install the app and I really, really appreciate that. Could I also appeal to your quest for truth and justice to prevail by asking you to become a patron of the show? Um, you guys, um, you have no idea how much travel we're doing and how important this work is, although I probably shouldn't, sh- shouldn't say you have no idea. I know that you all do. Uh, but um, I desperately need just a little bit of income just to keep petrol in the car, um, and um, that would be much appreciated. So you can do that by going to the website for the show, which is the8newsshow.podbean.com, and that's the 8 news show with the number 8. The8newsshow.podbean.com. You can go to that page and you'll find the Patreon button up in the top right-hand corner um, and so that you can, you, you know, throw me a couple of bucks, please. I'd really appreciate it. Finally, are you a like-minded business owner who'd be interested in becoming a sponsor of the show? If you are, please reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram via direct message at the um, account I have set up for my video channels the Bellman Report. That's the Bellman Report. B E L M A N, meaning the town crier. Thank you so much for that. Um, now let's get into it. So, um, guys, I, I, I don't really know where to start. We've just made a whole lot of bullet points, but look, I've got to say to you that your story is really harrowing, um, and I and I'm. I'm so grateful that you're willing to be here today to tell everybody else about it because I really feel like this is one of the the real, real special ones that we're doing. We've done a couple already. Everyone is just as incredibly uh, mind-boggling as the next. But um, uh, your Ben, the injuries you've sustained are incredible. So let's get into the story. Um, I'd like to set the scene for everyone. Um, by taking you back to when you first made the decision to take the shot, Ben, and this was in, um, I guess, the last few days of January, or were you thinking about it for a fair while before you did it? And why did you do? What influenced you to do it? Uh, thanks, Andrew. 
Um, I just initially just made the decision after Sharon had picked up firstly um, the best job in a very long time. Um, I didn't want to be a hindrance in any way. Right. We also decided that um, due to the borders possibly opening at that time, um, that it was imperative, you know, with the information that we'd been seeing through the main media, um, that we would make the right decision for all our family members. We have three teenagers um, and we didn't want to be in a situation, obviously in a little country town, um, you know, as they were proposing, you know, that it could be... Uh, quite severe. Um, so we made the decision also collectively as a family to to all go and have our first injection. You did. You see, now you guys have got three daughters. Three, uh, three children. So we've got two daughters and a son. And a son, yes. right. And so as a family, you talked about it together. We talked about it and we gave the kids a det- um to make their own decision. You know, they were entitled to make their own decision. Uh, we'd obviously had children off of school since the beginning of the year. Uh, they only attended the first two weeks of Term 1. Why is that, sorry? Um, just because of the, I suppose, the fear um, and also uh, at that point um, coming towards the mandates um, of mask wearing. Um, mm. It really imposed on their mental health. Mm. So... Um, so, I want to just um, go quickly back to Ben. You were a tiler. You were doing tiling work, That's kitchens correct. and bathrooms, etc. That's correct, Andrew. Right. So, um, um, what I'm picking up from you guys is that the mainstream media and the politicians were pumping out the fear. That was right. Yes. Yeah, and yep. you, and I'm sure that um, for your children, for example, they're going to school and mm. everybody's talking about it and. Yep. You know, you don't want to end up being like a pariah for being the one that didn't take it and all that sort of yeah. thing. That's when you right. say you're yeah. in a small town and yes. um, it's a little bit different to being in the city where you can kind of get away without people sort of knowing about things. But down here in Bridgetown, it's a little bit of a different story because you've got a, such a close community. And Yeah, it's a, it's a small community. You know, we know just about everyone in our township um, and also the children, you know, that mm. they've got quite a few friends here and what have you. Um, right. So, yeah, our decision to move forward, um, we thought at the time, was a decision that was not only beneficial, as we were told, for our health, but also the health of other people. Yeah, um, which is the way they sold it to yeah, everybody. Yeah, that's how they sold it. Yeah. Um, okay, so now you you picked, when, when you say, being you Sharon picked up a job, you, you're obviously the... Like, you know, the, the business manager kind of thing. Yes. And you've gotten a big job through and that sort of just kicked you into, okay, we need to get this sorted out so that we're, we can move forward. Yeah. Um, I just started, obviously, uh, with a local company and um, I, I didn't want to impose, obviously, on possibly securing a really good job. Uh, I've been nearly 20 years chasing full-time work um, right. And so uh, moving forward from there, it seemed like a really opportuni- opportunistic 
Oh, okay. So you weren't picking up a job for Ben? No. No, you were yourself? Ah. Just just to help provide that stable income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Ben, obviously, being a wall and floor tiler, you know, it was sporadic with work. Right. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So now we move forward to the day the infamous day, the 28th of January or thereabouts. We, we, we're pretty sure that we've got the dates. People uh, that are listening, we, we've got some dates in here, but please understand that some of the, these things that have occurred to Ben and Sharon, have, it's all been very, very rapid, rapidly developing and the mayhem that surrounds all of the things that went on, maybe the dates aren't exactly right. So we're, we're really just using these dates as reference points. They're pretty accurate, though, and there's certainly a few in there that they we know are, are, are exactly right. But 28th of January, what happened next? I believe you went to a pharmacy for this. So we did. Uh, we turned up at the pharmacy, and one by one, we all went in. Uh, I'd previously had my first, so I was just waiting with the family. Uh, ben was the first one to go in and then um, following with our three children. Um, they all had Moderna and from there, that's when things started to change. With so Ben. You, you had the Moderna shot. Now, the thing that I love to ask people, I've just got to know, mm-hmm. did you sign a waiver form? Most definitely not. Okay, and did anyone explain the risks associated with this to you? No, they did not. Crazy. Have you gotten a hold of the batch number of the shot that you... So I've done a bit of investigation through the immunisation through Medicare and I actually have uh, the administering person's details, um, the pharmacy details and also the batch number details. Okay, next question. Have you looked up the batch on howbadismybatch.com? No, um, I haven't as of yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I did do a little bit of research into Moderna and their batches and I wasn't able to find anything. Okay, that's something we'll talk about mm-hmm. after the show. But um, that's becoming something, some part of this show where we... We're, in, we're doing our own investigations now. So we really want to know uh, about your batch. And what I'm very interested to know is were there reports prior to the date that you took that, that jab? Um, because there is some evidence to suggest that um, that information is publicly available and yet these batches are still being administered to people. Now, to me, that's an extremely corrupt situation and um, we've uh, passed some of this information on to lawyers and and such because um, we're not going to let this one sit. Okay, I want to know why there were never any um, uh, public alerts um, and and why batches, uh, these bad batches haven't been destroyed and why they continue to be administered. This um, This is a deep, dark question that we have to... Uh, get clear on okay so uh you took this thing um went home was there any immediate reactions or was everything fairly normal for you ben um so things were fairly normal probably for the first day right um 
then after that, obviously being summer, we thought that it was just normal that uh, Ben, you know, was working, doing wall and floor tiling, and uh, he had a bit of a, a fever, so he was sweating more than usual. Okay, so this is the next day. This was the next day. Okay, so you've had this. The, you've had the jab in the afternoon as a mm-hmm. family together. Yep. Gone to bed normal, not nothing unusual. Wake up the next day, starting to have what would you say, like hot flushes or something? Uh, yes, I guess so, Andrew. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he went to work and he'd he'd come home for a, a quick break, you know, just to try and. Um, recoup some energy and what have you, but he was profusely sweating. Really? I'd, I'd never seen anything like it. Right, and starting to feel really tired, exhausted from... Yeah, the, the fatigue. Your, your body was just going berserk by this stage? Yes, that's right. Right. Okay, so you then, um, a couple of days have gone past, four or five days, and you've decided to go to the emergency department at hospital, but why, what prompted you to do that? What happened? A severe back pain down the lower spine near the hip. Right. Yeah. And you had some swelling that started to present around your lower back? Yes, that's correct. Right. Yeah, so... Tell um, me about that. So Ben went to the emergency department here uh, because um, obviously, you know, thinking that he'd done a work injury... Um, he had a very large bulge on the bottom of his spine. Um, it was like a half a rock melon. It was pretty solid. Mm. Um, it was fluid, and it was starting to debilitate him. He couldn't. He couldn't move. He couldn't sit. He couldn't walk. He couldn't lay down. Uh, it, it was excruciating. Right, and this, and you finally just gone. I've got to go to the hospital. Yeah, I think. I think his pride got the better of him, but. Um, on my insistence that he went to the emergency department. Um, they had a look at him. They said they weren't too sure. They didn't think it was anything sinister and uh, they'd give him some high-dose anti-inflammatories and also some medication to take home to hopefully uh, knock it on the head. And, uh, yeah, probably had the, you know, she'll be right attitude um, towards Ben. Is that how you felt, Ben? Yes, definitely. They weren't real concerned. No. Did anyone ask you whether you'd taken the jab? Jump in, Mark, if you've got Uh, a question. Yes, it's vital that they ask you about the jab because what you've got there from the description, this uh, half a rock melon, rock hard edema, this is what's known as angioedema. And uh, I would have thought they'd ask you about vaccines or things that could trigger it, especially when you'd previously had back injury from being a tyler. Okay, when you say, tell me a little bit more about that, Mark. Um, yeah, angioedema is a condition where you get uh, swelling of various parts of the body, including the mouth or fingers, and it's associated with people who have what are called complement deficiencies, certain complement deficiencies. Complement is a, a series of proteins that help the body react to fight bacteria, etc. And some people just have a tendency to angioedema. Since we're all genetically different and we're all predisposed to various different things, but uh, I would have thought they'd been concerned because it was such a large lump like that and they'd want to admit him for uh, tests, including uh, inquiring about vaccines and also testing for complement deficiencies, just on a strange story like that. 
Right, where, where you've suddenly had this kind of swelling that's yeah. come up out of the blue. And so, but none of these things were said to you guys, right? No, nothing was said. So, um, w- which hospital were you at? Bridgetown. In Bridgetown, okay. So they've sent you home with some anti-inflammatories. Yeah, so they gave him an injection and sent him home with, um, I believe it was diazepam. Okay. Um, and that injection, that was at the inflammation site, was it? I believe he had it in his leg. Was it in your leg? Uh, just in the upper oh. sh- shoulder. Uh, upper left shoulder, you see. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, everyone. Just I just want to make the point that um, sometimes Ben's going a little bit quiet, but he's also has a very hard time sitting up straight. And he does. So just understand that um, you know he's doing the very best he can. So okay, now we're getting through a few more days to the kind of end of the first week, a little bit past that, to the tenth of February. Um, what happened? This is the next development, right? What happened then? You, you were saying you went to bed normally, yeah, so woke up the next day. Yeah, so Ben went to bed normally. Um, everything was normal. Uh, um, he obviously still had this edema on the bottom of his spine. Um, and from there, he woke up the next morning and he was very concerned. Um, to me, it presented like he'd had a stroke in the night. He um, verbally couldn't talk properly. Um, he had like a left side um, deficit as such. Uh, his hand, he had like a sensation on his hand that he was constantly trying to get off. Um, yeah. What sort of sensation? Uh, it was like a wet peppy leaf, so a long peppy leaf going down the side of my ring finger on my left hand. And you could just feel this thing, but you just couldn't get it. You couldn't get rid of it. Yeah, That's and right. you could see that it was driving him nuts. It was just yeah. starting to really irritate him. Very prominent. And what? Tell tell us um, what happened. You you were saying that you you started rubbing it, and it was actually causing prob- more problems. Uh, no, the sensation just wouldn't leave. Right. And it was very concerning because it was so um, prominent. R- right. So not only have you woken up where you can't speak properly you've got this sensation in your hand that must have been really really shocking absolutely quite frightening yeah very frightening um i was obviously due to go to work i was changing all of my um situation regarding work and what have you i was just really concerned that you know did i need an ambulance or did i fortunately you know i know cpr and our eldest daughter is training to be a nurse or or was training to be a nurse um you know, so so we knew those kinds of things and we were just not too sure on what was going to happen next. Right, so you've gone to the hospital. Yeah, so um, Ben presented at the hospital um, and upon presenting there, there was no doctor on um, at the hospital. They were on call. Um, so from there, the nurses um, conveyed, obviously, what was going on with Ben and... Um, that same on-call doctor just said, look, I don't think it's necessary for me to come there. It doesn't sound like it's um, of an urgency. Uh, just send him to my rooms the following morning. Hang on a minute. So you've presented at the hospital with stroke-like conditions. Yep. You've told them all of this stuff. 
And um, does that sound a bit unusual, it's, Mark? It sounds very odd. I would have thought that when they had the doctor on call, let's say he couldn't make it for various reasons, he would have said that you should be taken by ambulance to uh, a major hospital like Bunbury or Bustleton to get immediate investigation. I mean, if you had a stroke, which say was due to a blood clot, they'd want to get on onto it immediately. And if it was one due to bleeding, uh, say a subarachnoid haemorrhage or whatever, they want to know about it and get going with it very quickly because you're a young man, you're a person otherwise of working age and they should take instant action for someone like you. You're not, say, like an elderly person of 70 or so who has a stroke. Mm. Yeah, it yeah. was very concerning. You know, that was my initial thoughts is that, you know, we need to get onto this immediately because obviously there's something going on. Very wrong. Very wrong. Um, and, and to obviously just wake up like that was just... Yeah, and at the, at this stage, were you guys putting two and two together, or were you just sort of? I mean, I can imagine that you'd never even think that it might have been from this shot. Yeah, mm. initially that's where we were. We weren't thinking that it was um, the shot because you've been told it, our premier is up on TV saying it's safe and effective, and everyone should have it, and you got to look after everyone else. So you're gone. You you guys are just going. Yep. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Yep. Okay, and you know you speak to you speak to other people. Hey, listen, you had all your childhood immunizations. Mm. You know, did anything go wrong with you there? Yeah, you know, mm. and they keep throwing those questions at you, and you're like, oh, okay, all right, well, maybe so, I had a bit of a fever or something like that, but I didn't, you know, I didn't obviously have some physical like deficit. a stroke, yeah, or a ma- massive swelling on your back. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, so other people, you're talking to other people, and you're starting to. It's starting to dawn on you that there might yeah. be a connection, yep. right? So, old mate at the local hospital said, "No, I can't come and see you because it doesn't sound that serious." When it actually was, mm-hmm. you've then um, did you go back, or I think you were saying you went to a GP? Yeah. So the next day, um, Ben went and saw him in his rooms. Um, this guy from the yeah, hospital. This yeah. guy. Yep. This doctor. And uh, so Ben went and saw him at the rooms and he basically said, oh, listen, I don't think there's much we can do for you. I think he was thinking that, you know, um, untoward Ben was maybe milking it or something. Uh, that, was the, that was the initial thought that both Ben and I got. That was the, the that feeling was the from, from being there with the yeah, guy? that was the impression from him. So, Yeah, these people are just um, whinges and... Yeah, that, that's that's how we felt. We walked out of there and thought, oh gosh, you know, like mm. he was not very thorough with his job. Obviously, didn't you know have any concerns, or did he know otherwise? Yeah, and now we also uh, for everyone who um, is listening to this, I did film a video with Ben and Sharon, and that will be coming out in conjunction, or that that has has come out in conjunction with this audio recording. Um, but I think in that video you were saying that the doctors were being quite derogatory towards you as well. Is that where this began? Uh, no, that began later when we went to the specialists. Right. We'll get we'll get back into that. I don't want to forget that point. Um, okay, so you've gone to the GP. Um, you, as it turns out, you've actually the paralysis has begun to occur because everybody Ben's essentially quite quite seriously paralysed down his left side. But this is back around the 10th of January or a little bit later. Feb. Feb, Sorry, February. And you've gone to the doctor. He's like, oh, I can't really do much for you. 
Yeah, so... So um, what happened next after so that? So I um, said, you know, can we have some scans? Can we have, you know, is there anything that you can do further investigate this? Because, you know, visually you can't see what's going on. Um, I can see that there's a difference, obviously, in Ben and the way that he's physically moving and also the way that his brain is ticking. And, of course, you're his wife. You'll, you've been, you two have been together for quite some time, yeah. right? You've got yep. three yeah. young adults. Yep. Um, and the doctor just didn't take any notice of you. Oh, uh, by the way, everyone, you might hear the rain in the background. <laughs> Lovely winter's mm. day here in Bridgetown. It's a beautiful winter's day. Beautiful mm. winter's day. Um, so please, um, we, there's not much we can do that, about that. So the doctor just said he can't do much for you. So, yeah, he was basically going down the road, oh, sorry, we can't do anything for you, Ben, but, you know, oh, look, you know, if it's really imperative to you, we'll send you for a CT scan. Um, we'll, we'll make that on your spine and we'll go from there. And I said, well, in actual fact, if you're going to do that, wouldn't it be best to investigate with the brain as well and also what's going on with his sacrum? Yeah, because um, he's had this thing where he couldn't speak, he's woken up with yeah. stroke-like conditions. Yeah, yeah. like... Join, join the dots kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. Could you please just investigate the issue rather yeah. than turning us away? Yeah, basically that's, you know, um, that's what I had to ask the doctors to do. Astonishing, Mark. That's right. I mean, the fact that he's had what's clearly angioedema on the sacrum and he's had this jab a few days earlier, then he has very severe, well, obviously uh, symptoms on the left side of his body indicating some sort of major neurological issue, he could be easily having the equivalent of angioedema on the brain. I th- would have thought that after he came in like that, the GP would want to send him to a, uh, a specialist unit to investigate further, since Bridgetown's a small town, yeah. and you can't treat people for strokes and things there, and you've got to get onto it immediately when a person. Can, can you just explain what age. an angioedema is? Yeah, angioedema is a condition where the uh, fluid leaks from your capillaries and arteries and gets into the tissues and becomes extremely, the tissues become extremely hard because the fluid keeps swelling into the tissues, the cells become distended and uh, the involved area of skin can become rock hard and that's why it seemed, as you said, like a rock melon. And uh, often these things will just tend to go away overnight but uh, the fact that he's previously been a tyrant, had the back injury, and then he has this, these severe stroke-like symptoms only a few days later is a very worrying symptom. And uh, I'd be worried whether the same leaky capillaries that led to the uh, uh, rock-hard mass over the sacrum would be having similar effects uh, in the brain because once you've had this jab, so many people become hypercoagulable. Their blood tends to coagulate. and it only Clotting. Needs Clotting, that's right, and only needs a minor disturbance like that to cause major stroke, etc. And I thought the your GP would be worried simply by the stroke-like symptoms and want to get you to a teaching hospital immediately. I'm very surprised at that attitude because as a working member of the community, the GP, his, I would have thought his first thought would be, this young man is unwell, I've got to get him to a specialist unit as quickly as possible. We can't have him hanging around the town here getting sicker and sicker. Yeah, that was our got, initial thoughts. Yeah, but this is your gut reaction yeah, to it. Yeah, our gut reaction. But this doctor turned you away. 
pretty much turned us away and said, look, you know, ah, she'll be right, you know, that just that good old attitude, she'll be right, you, you'll come good in a couple of days. But, you know, but, this but he didn't even pick up the drooping of your face, Ben, did he? No, it, it may be variable and very hard to pick. Yes, mm. it was, yes. Yeah. Okay, now let's get on to the next part. How did you start discovering the fact that you were getting this paralysis? Uh, the local chiropractor here in Bridgetown was the first one to pick it up and and hold a fear, hold a mirror in front of my face to actually show me what he's talking about, so I could see what was happening as well. And you and you understood straight away, yes, did you? Yes, it was very plain. Mm. Right uh, now. Why did you go to the, the chiropractor? I'm sure people are asking themselves uh, that. To see what he could possibly do for this lump on the base of my spine. Okay, because you still have the lump on yeah. your spine, yeah. which is even more concerning that the doctor didn't put any of these sort of... Join the dots. Facts together. Links together, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So the chiropractor, I'd done a bit of investigating about because um, he's new to town um, and I'd found out that he was doing dry needling and I'd previously had that for an injury myself. So I thought, oh, look, you know. Give it a go. Can't hurt. Give it a go. Um, and so upon Ben presenting there, he was in most shock. He said he'd never seen anything like this except for somebody who'd had a hip fracture. Yeah. Or, you know, some major trauma to the bottom of the spine. Um, and he was just in disbelief. He, you know, he immediately joined the dots. Wow. Gave us some information. Um, and from there, yeah. Okay. Now, did that, uh, the dry needling, um, that's like what acupuncture yeah, is? Yeah, like acupuncture. So um, he did it for Ben um, and, and discussed that, you know, it's obviously going to take some time to take that um, edema down and um, was more than happy to do that for Ben. But he couldn't do any manipulation or any traction or any uh, of, of those course kinds not. of things. It would hurt excruciatingly yep. to Excruciating. do so. So at this stage, Ben was cripply walk, walking to try and get into the chiropractor's rooms um, and he was just... He was okay, so, so this is a few days later. Yeah. And, and so things developed pretty quickly. Um, and you, you, so you're saying the paralysis in his leg was already beginning at that stage? Yeah, so it just pretty much started from... From there onwards, the paralysis had started. So his his foot, he noticed when he was walking, his foot would kind of stick, um, and, yeah. and wouldn't wouldn't move forward. And then it became a shuffle, and then it became a drag. Wow! So this but this is after being at the chiropractor, right? Yeah, after the chiropractor and after seeing the GP and asking for that, um, you know, that CT scan. Yeah, which they rejected you on. Yep. Okay, so then we've gone. We go on for. A, Two weeks ish, um, and we get to the twentieth of February, and things started to really take off at that stage. Right? Tell tell me all about it. So this whole time, up until then, I'd had a pro- problem swallowing, and it was just like the tongue had forgotten the motion on how to swallow. Um, wow! From from there on, it just grew. Everything got worse and exacerbated. It was mainly in the brain thinking-wise. Tell me about that, mate. So what do you mean? Well, nothing is easy to do when usually it is easy to think. It was like a delay. Yes, it's just so sluggish. Right. 
And of course, it's utterly bucketing down um, here, everybody. Um, I hope you can hear this all right. I, th- I think the um, the audio should be fine, but if you can hear a noise in the background, that's what it is. Okay, so you're um, you're saying Ben that things like just swallowing, this the act of eating, was becoming an issue. That's right. I could only swallow very soft things. Right. How are you with that now? Is that uh, it's still difficult, but it has has progressed somewhat. You mean it's gotten better a little bit? A little bit. Right. Yes. yes. Right. And and you've also started to feel like your leg's not quite following along where it should be. And Yes, it takes its own motion and swings around. Yeah, we call Ooh. it like a, a swinging gait. So his, really? leg, so his leg does an outward swing, um, especially obviously now moving down to where we are. You know, we're in June. Yeah, we're months, months, months away um, from where he was. Um, it's progressively got worse in an aspect that, um, yeah, the leg just does its own motion. Um, so for him to move around, um, it's very short walks. Uh, if we're to go out anywhere, he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Mark, w- you got any comment about that? That's really weird. I can understand the leg not, not keeping up, but... What, what do you think that's about? Well, what's going on there is there's a multiple lesions in the brain causing this. They could, couldn't just explain it on a simple stroke, say in what's called the internal capsule, which would just give you weakness in either the arm or the either in the arm or the leg. What would happen is that you have to have more than one lesion to explain this because okay. as Ben has already explained, he has slow mentation. He has to think very slowly to decide what to do. This indicates a more global problem than, say, would be explainable by one stroke. And when you've had a stroke, it usually creates a fixed lesion for which the person then has to slowly recover. This indicates some ongoing problem involving the vascular system in the brain and the vascular system elsewhere. And that's where we're going to next okay so then we're we're going through to now the beginning of march and you've finally gotten a booking to have a ct scan that's correct right and and what was the result of that uh that it would be better defined by an mri scan so um, when he had the CT scan, we went to uh, we rang around everywhere. I was prepared to drive a million million miles mm, to try and course. get somewhere. Um, so we finally got um, a cancellation booking at Bustleton, which is not too far from us. So that was fantastic. Mm. And uh, did the scan and whatnot. Um, they ended up doing a dye. Did they do it? They, they put a dye in um, to. Uh, yeah, obviously uh, show highlighted, highlighted uh, and what have you. Yeah, contrast. Yeah, and so this is for a brain scan. So yes. this 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 was the one that I asked that GP for because he wasn't interested in in anything um, of those caliber, I suppose. Um, so I asked for the brain to be scanned, the spine to be scanned, and also the obviously the base of his spine where this rock melon um, mass was. Right, and so. How did you end up getting into for this scan? You, you, I'm, I'm assuming that sometime I in pleaded. the later, this is like the late in the later parts of February. Yeah, yeah. Um, with a, again a GP. Yep. Right, and then finally you've gotten in to see yeah. to, to, to the CT scan, and they found um, white matter. Yeah. So um, stated on there, uh, it said report. that report. Uh, stated on the report, it said um, white matter had been found. 
and a um, walnut-sized cyst in the thalamus. Yeah, that, that's an amazing finding. When you said white matter found, I think you mean white matter lesions were found. There was evidence of uh, in the brain. damage in the white matter. As for the thalamus walnut-sized cyst, I think what they're actually looking at is the inflamed, swollen thalamus itself. Since the thalamus is only walnut-sized itself, and it could hardly be replaced by a cyst, because if it was, Ben would have no motion in either arm or either mm. leg. And where is the thalamus? Uh, the the thalamus is at the base of the brain itself, but just above the brain stem. Oh, okay. So we're talking real serious injuries. That's right. We're talking ma- major and deep injuries there. Mm-hmm. And white matter, white matter disease would make you think of multiple sclerosis, which is a fairly common disease here. But we have to consider with this jab that uh, something else is going on. And the problem is that when you get vascular disease there, it can cause a secondary white matter damage from intermittent infarction and occlusion of the uh, nerve fibres connecting different parts of the brain. And, and just explain to us what white matter is. Yeah, there's two parts of the brain, what's called grey matter and white matter. Grey matter is all the nerve cells where the thinking goes on, but in order for the different clusters of nerve cells to be connected, they need to have these long nerves, long axons and dendrites to connect one part of the brain to the other. And these long bundles of nerve fibres are surrounded by a fatty... Uh, Uh, biochemical uh, structure called myelin and the myelin dominates because it covers the nerve cells and stops them interacting with each other and giving you cross signals. Like shielding on a wire. Like shielding on a plastic shielding over a wire as Mm. we've got a whole lot of them today and uh, if that is damaged such as in damage to the white matter the different signals either don't get transmitted or they interfere with one another. So this is really really serious. Absolutely. Okay, now the the results of the CT scan then prompted the uh, MR, an MRI scan. Yeah, yeah. so um, it wasn't until we went back to a different GP because it's very hard to get into a GP here in Bridgetown. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went and saw a different GP um, and he read the report to us and I said, well, if it's stating on there that it's requiring a MRI for further investigation, is that what we can have? And he was, he was on the same page. Um, I think he was compassionate and I think he could see what was going on. When you say that, you mean the bigger picture? Yeah, the bigger picture. Mm. Yeah, these jabs are hurting people. Yeah, yeah. He'd seen quite a few of them by the, by the sounds yeah, of it. From what we could gather, he'd seen quite a few of them. He was... Um, probably one of the major GPs in the area that was frequenting the um, emergency department that we've got here, which is only tiny. Um, right, so these GPs are also the doctors on call for the yeah, hospital. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. they work in rounds, just depending yeah. on what week it is, what day and all those kinds of things. Right, right. Um, and we'll get on to that doctor in a little bit, but um, the, the, we're now at the end of March and you've had the MRI scan, yep. what was found then? This is where we actually found the cyst on the, or the, the, the swollen thalamus in, yeah. in the, at so, the base of your brain. So it was just a further investigation, obviously, to see um, how, many, how many lesions there were, um, what, was, um, 
what was being picked up um, from there. They didn't find any um, swollen spinal cord or anything like that, which to me was a surprise because, you know, I'd done some research between what was going on with the back, um, Ben's back, and also what was going on with the thalamus and stuff. I thought there was a connection there. Mm. Um, So I thought, you know, there'd need to be at least some swelling in the spinal cord. Um, But there was... There was nothing in the spinal cord had picked up. It was just obviously all in the brain and at the base of the spine. Um, they did pick up some deterioration in a few discs, um, which could be wear and tear. Now, you were saying you had to insist on getting the spinal scan done. Yes. They only wanted to do his brain. The, the, were these people at all interested in the swelling on your back? No, definitely not interested. And not really concerned at all either. So at this stage, you still had the the swelling in your back. Yeah, it was prominently there. <laughs> yeah, I'd be Hang wondering on. whether if the swelling had gone down a bit, perhaps they wouldn't be too concerned. But I'd be surprised after a few weeks and the swelling hadn't gone right down back to normal. I would have thought they would have continued to be interested. But being neurologists, they'd be only thinking of the uh, brain and spinal cord rather than thinking of an external lesion, the one on your back there. Mm. Uh, To some extent, I can understand it, but you did the right thing, wanting the spinal cord examined as well to see if there was some similar lesion in the spinal cord because his foot was dragging Mm -hmm. and you'd be wondering if he had an excess problem in the foot over the arm. And so you'd be thinking of the spinal cord as another lesion there since we've got evidence already of multiple lesions from what they found found in the first MRI scan with the white matter lesion. Well, Sharon, I've just got to congratulate you because um, you, you really you stood up and actually gotten serious about what's going on and you've done some research. Sure have. And without doing that, you would maybe become even more of a victim. But because of your persistence and not just accepting what these quacks... Are saying, which is probably mm. a bit of a strong word, we shouldn't mm. really say that, but um, it's kind of quite clear that there was um, a lack of interest in the overall picture just yeah, all definitely. the way along. Um, and so, you know, geez, you may have even saved your husband's life, mate. I mean... Quite possibly. Quite yeah. possibly, right? Yeah, we did We did actually have the discussion... Um, wasn't a nice discussion, but, you know, we did have the discussion should this, you know, get to the stages that it could possibly go to, mm. you know, what Ben's wishes were. Um, so that was that was a hard pill to swallow, but yeah, I was yeah. determined to not give in and I was determined to find answers. Well, you're inspirational, Sharon, you really are. So now it gets even more interesting because we're in March this year and – we're getting towards the end of the march and something occurred with your GP. So um, upon that uh, MRI that was had, uh, that, that came back, um, the GP that ordered that for us, the compassionate GP, um, unfortunately committed suicide. Mm. Um, yeah, so that mm. took its toll. That's a terrible shock. So the indifferent GP is yeah. still alive somewhere. Yeah. And yep. the compassionate GP is deceased. Yeah, so there, there is um, some speculation, or you know, because we we understand that he there were he had a, a couple of injured people under him. He had, yeah, he did. 
And I'm, I'm thinking it's more than a couple. We yeah. know of two. You, yeah. It sounds like you know of more. I think I know of at least a handful. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's sad that this occurred with oh, this extremely. man. But um, it's kind of a relief in one sense that this guy was taking responsibility in a way for what happened where many, many others haven't taken responsibility. Yeah. So that's a, a whole other ball, ball game that we, we're not going to get into. Well, right that's now. right, because when a GP is out of his depth, which is very common with many lesions, he should have a teaching hospital he can send people to and also receptive people at the teaching hospital who will investigate what's going wrong. And I'm wondering whether the compassionate GP had found negativity from the teaching hospitals which were treating his very sick patients. So can you say, you saying teaching hospitals? Teaching hospitals. I mean places like Fiona Stanley and Sir Charles Gardner because they have quite a lot of specialists there and these specialists are the people that train the young doctors. Okay. And if these specialists have this attitude towards people that come in with genuine lesions of not investigating them properly and ignoring the question of these people having vaccines or these toxic jabs for COVID, we are in a very serious situation because I know for a fact that those specialists have been bullied by the Medical Administration and the Australian Health Professionals Regulatory Authority, ARPA or HIPRA, and they're being told that they are not allowed to say anything bad against these uh, quack scenes, these toxic jabs. I have a friend who's a uh, pharmacist at Royal Prince Alfred Hospital in Sydney and she says the consultants there, the specialists, have been bullied into silence. Yeah, it's clear. And it is clear. Graceful. Um, by the time we got to uh, the emergency department at Fiona Stanley, um, we could see that it was the writing was on the wall. With their attitude, uh, so there was some that were willing to say that most definitely they've seen this in other patients. They've mm. seen exactly the same symptoms, exactly the same timeline. Um, that's further down our, our track with yeah. our timeline. So let's let's move to the next stage. Um, so end of March this year, your GP's committed suicide mm-hmm. uh, and then you've gotten a new GP yeah. and this is uh, the guy that finally goes, right, you need to see a specialist. Yeah, so um, from, from there we see this new GP, a senior GP at um, obviously the doctor's surgery and he's, he was very... He had some compassion about him and he said to Ben, oh, look, I'm, I'm really sorry, but, you know, this is beyond a GP's call. Mm. Um, we're we're going to need to send you to a specialist. Ben was in a bit of shock. He said, oh, can you elaborate a bit more? And he said, well, look, you know, it's coming back that we think um, what we're looking at is possibly MS. And Ben said, oh, it definitely can't be because I've known people with MS and they haven't had anything like this. And yeah. this brings us back to this finding of the, the white matter swelling mm. on your brain and that's um, associated with MS, but it's not the only thing that can cause that. Is that correct? Uh, well, that's right. When you have white matter lesions, you usually think of multiple sclerosis and there are many things that seem to trigger it, perhaps a viral infection, etc. And multiple sclerosis is also commoner in colder countries. It's much commoner in New Zealand than it is, say, in Queensland. And one of the things it protects against is having a lot of vitamin D, etc. So there are ways to protect against it. But the problem with multiple sclerosis is that uh, in many people it can be 
perhaps in a subclinical form. And it's possible that Ben has various genetic tendencies which, if triggered, could lead to multiple sclerosis. But it's not a guarantee. And no, by no means a guarantee there. And because he was perfectly well, I mean, acting as a tiler and moving around a lot, uh, putting in bathroom and other tiles, he was clearly a physically fit man. So even if you say that this condition is multiple sclerosis, the vaccine is going to be clearly involved in it because he had the vaccine only a few weeks before and he had this rock melon sized lesion on his uh, sacrum and lower back at the time. So it's clearly related to vaccine injury, even if it proves to be MS, proves to be multiple sclerosis, because the uh, all the vaccine did was bring out the inherent tendency to the multiple sclerosis. So he still needs to be uh, have restitution for the damaging jab that he had. And this merely underscores the proof that these COVID jabs are no good. They're causing more damage than the lives they save. Yes, and we, we, we know that for sure. Okay, so this GP has sent you to a new, neurologist. Um, so he was referring us to a neurologist. Um, we can only assume that it was Fiona Stanley. Um, and from there, Ben said, hey, listen, look, you know, I'm, I'm in shock here. I, uh, is it okay if I seek a second opinion? And uh, the GP said, yeah, sure, not a problem. Like, mm. you know, don't have a problem with that. I will, I will uh, rush this paperwork through as quick as I can and hopefully you'll, you know, you'll get a phone call. If not, you'll be able to present somewhere. Um, so from there... The next day, uh, with some ringing around and some convincing, you know, because we're getting desperate now, yeah. we're getting desperate mm. for answers. So we rang, uh, we rang to Donnybrook, um, the next neighbouring town, and got a GP there. She went over it and clarified um, some information and gave us a few more details and said, definitely do not have a second jab. Mm-hmm. Um, it is imperative that you do not have any more until mm. we investigate what's going on. And so we thought, oh, gee whiz, sigh of relief. We've got somebody on our side. Yeah. You know, uh, by now we're starting to stack up that, you know, this is definitely mm. vaccine-related. Mm. Um, yeah, there was un- no, no denying it. So, right. from, so from there, um, she said the same thing. Look, you know, she'll, she, we were in her rooms and she got in contact with a couple of um, obvious um, neurologists uh, the one in Bunbury wasn't operating anymore, um, so that was a no-go, which was another major town not too far from us. Mm. Um, so then she said, oh, look, I, you know, I can probably refer you to somebody in Perth. Um, she gave us his name. She also rang his rooms, and she said somebody should be in contact. So we left there with a bit of, okay. Look, a little bit of hope. Yeah, a little bit of hope. We're getting somewhere. We're, you know, this looks like we're, you know, could be getting the answers mm. and so from there um i think it was about a week uh later we got a phone call and she said listen if he's still deteriorating i do not want this to go any further um this is the gp yeah this yep. is the gp that we saw in donnybrook she mm. said i don't want this to go any further i think you need to present to the um, emergency department at fiona stanley Look, so, so this is a week late and she's been milling on it for this whole yeah. time and um, thank God she did. Yep. So mm. off you go to Fiona Stanley. Yeah, so rushingly, I, I, you know, I'd gone to work that morning thinking, oh gosh, I can leave Ben in the capable hands of our eldest daughter. She's 19. 
um, I thought, oh gosh, I'll you know I'll, I'll go to work and try and earn some money and you know kind of have that normality. Although it's really was really hard to leave the house knowing that Ben was in the state that he was. Mm. Um, I get to work and pretty much she rang and said, "Listen, you have to go now. They're waiting for you. Present to Fiona Stanley. Mm. Go through their emergency department, and you will be seen today." What was going through your head? So you've jumped in the car to go home and get, get Ben. How are you feeling? Do you Oh, running on adrenaline pretty much. Oh, I bet you were. Yeah, yeah. I thought, oh gosh, here's the ticket. Here's the ticket home. You know, we've, this is finally going to be the answers that we need. Um, we're going to get him back onto good health. Um, thought everything was going to go swimming. So you're, you're, you're full of hope and you're... Oh, extremely. I couldn't, you know, yep. I couldn't wait to get to the other end. Yeah. Um, you know, so, it was a harrowing drive for three and a half hours. I'll bet. And thinking of all the possibilities, talking over all the possibilities um, and, you know, the daunting uh, presenting to a hospital and hoping that they're not going to do anything that could possibly cause further um. harm. And, Ben, how were you feeling, mate? You Sharon's gotten home... I'm assuming you got home first and then spoke to him. Oh, we've got to go to the hospital. Yeah, I rang him. I said, listen, I'm 15 minutes away. I'm running out the door now. And he said, no, 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 it's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll just go a bit later. And I said, no, we're going now. Yep. I said, I'll be 15 minutes. Be ready. Right. And what was? how were you feeling, mate? Uh, absolutely full of hope. Right. So Becoming very desperate and full of hope. Yeah, and, and and of course, I just want to throw it in there. You you still got this swelling on your back at this point. Yes. Um, the, the the paralysis in your left side had gotten pretty full on by this point. Absolutely. Right, so in the car and off we go. Okay, so you get up there. Um, what happened when you got there? Oh, we were greeted by the good old come through COVID screening. Um, we weren't allowed into the hospital until I presented that um, vaccination status and Ben wasn't allowed into the hospital until he'd had the obvious COVID screening, which was for a person in his state of mind and physical ability, absolutely horrifying. Mm. I have never seen a grown man... Brought to tears the way that he was. Because of the way they were treating him? Oh, the way they were treating him. It was like, you're a leper. Um, Oh, flat out. Yeah. um, We we hear so many of these stories. Yeah. And that 15 minutes in that COVID tent was just just horrific. And that's when it started. You know, they were... We had been hypersensitive. They were... You know, swabbing him up the nose, in the throat. It's extremely distressing going through that. Oh, distressing, yeah. It's harmful. Yeah. This this PCR test that that was never intended to be used as a diagnosis tool. That's right. And you don't go around jabbing people deep into the nose. You just rub around the areas where the nasal hairs are and the nostrils and that's it. So since they've been pushing these uh, swabs further and they have been instructed to do so, this is a tort, this is an assault on the human body which yeah. should not be carried out. Yeah, that's if what Ben I'd or like you had punched, punched one of those people who was doing that in the nose, 
under normal circumstances, you'd be perfectly justified to defend yourself against an assault like that. Unfortunately, our courts are corrupted and you might find a different outcome. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure you would, Mark. And that's exactly what it did feel like, an assault. Thank you very much. Yeah. Disgusting. Disgusting. Um, brought him to tears, you know. He was screaming at the top of his lungs. Yes, of course. Uh, they were insulting him, telling that, you know, mm. does he have some kind of... Uh, um, Emotional problem or something? Yeah, does he have some? You know, is he is he mentally unstable and you know, all these kinds of things? And I'm just I'm consoling him. It's just mm. these people are just wicked, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, so we've gotten through that. Now so we've gotten through. Yeah. We sit and wait for three hours. We finally get you, called. You had to wait for three hours. We had to wait in the waiting room for three hours. But I thought people were waiting to receive you. We thought the same too. Yeah, we wow. were told they were waiting to receive us. Just present through the emergency department. It sounded like it was a breeze and we are going to get in and we are going to be safe. Yeah, and of course you were full of hope driving up there and then you get buddy assaulted. Yep. Um, literally assaulted. And you're in there three hours wait. You're probably sitting there going, what the heck's going on? Yeah, mm. it was. there was a point there that Ben was like, oh, listen, you know, I know we've driven all this way, but I'm, I'm just, le- I'm losing hope here. And like, you know, if this goes on much longer, I'd rather walk out. I can understand that. Um, what, how were you feeling during this three hours of wait, Ben? Hope was diminishing gradually. Mm-hmm. Starting to lose faith in the system that, that you know, you are led to believe in. Yeah. What, else, what other choice do you have? Yeah, we, we, we all grow up holding doctors and all these, um, you know, medical professionals in the highest of esteem. Um, well, that's really seriously deteriorated now, mate. What, what did you want to say? You were no, that's right. You just, you're... Um, I can't think of the words, I'm sorry. No, that's that's all right, mate. Um, I, I think I know where you're coming from and I think mm. everyone else listening along does as well and I know Mark's here nodding um, in agreement. Um, okay, it, you've, tell us what happened when you finally got a neurologist to, to see you. So we got through and we got into the emergency department and we were seen there and uh, a young doctor came along and... I don't know that she was very confident. Um, she did some physical tests with Ben, um, did the once-over kind of thing. I was relaying the timeline. Ben was trying to obviously talk, um, but that was very hard and the swallowing was very hard for him to convey that message. Um and from there she said, oh, look, you know, like, I think I might need to get a senior doctor to have a look at him. Gee. And um, we're, we're going to get a, a neurologist um, for our department. We're going to get them in shortly. So Hang on, I thought she was a neurologist. No, I thought she was a neurologist oh, as well. That, that was, she was probably the casualty, the emergency department intern. She could see it's a problem far more difficult and she's sending it to a more senior doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, we've gone from uh, people are waiting to see you to one bloody headache after the other, yeah. including an assault. Yeah. Okay. And what kind of test did she do? Did she, did she ask you about the swelling on your back? Yeah, so they asked us um, 
to give him a timeline of what had happened. And, of course, I go, you know, ah, he's had the vaccine and this has happened and that has happened and da-da-da-da-da. Oh, because by now you're, as you I'm said, I'm switched on by now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just wanting answers. I'm getting, I'm getting frustrated. Yep. I'm getting angry. And how did she respond? Um, this is the junior doctor. The ju- this is where she took the back foot. She wanted to pedal out of there straight away. Right. Because um, you brought up the yeah. vax word. Yeah, I brought up vax. So a senior Uh-oh. doctor rolls in with a nurse. The nurse is plugging it into a ECG. And uh, monitoring that, you know, making sure there's nothing going on there. Mm. And this senior doctor says, all right, run me through the timeline. So I said, listen, you know, as you can see, he physically and mentally can't really do much. Um, I'll run you through it. So I ran her through it and she said, boom, that is what we have seen. We've seen it with AstraZeneca. We've seen it with Pfizer, his exact timeline, um, his exact conditions. Yep. Not necessarily the what's gone on in the base that's of the right, spine, yeah, but they'd seen it. And you, what's going through my mind right now is, how come I haven't heard about this? How come this isn't all over the news? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. We have people who are told exactly the opposite. I had one person I know was in a uh, group I, I was in. She was an ALP member, a devout Anglican, and she was telling me that the hospitals are full of the unvaccinated. She has no idea of what's going on. She listens only to the BS that the mainstream media tells her. She doesn't know anyone who is a honest nurse or doctor working at these hospitals. Yeah. Yeah, we've pretty well established that the mainstream media are just as in complicit in this crime. They are. Mm. Um, as any other participant including our premier. Yep, exactly. Who calls mm. us drop kicks, morons, mm. losers, people who need to grow a brain, mm. all this sort of stuff. Mm. Okay. So what happened? They've gone Holy crap, yeah. um, we've seen lots of this. So the senior doctor, she was like, oh, my gosh, you know, we've seen all of this. And my eyes just lit up. I thought, oh, gosh, we're on a winner here. Then uh, the neurologist came in because, obviously, the younger lady wasn't was able a, to... A senior, she was senior, but she wasn't a neurologist herself. Yeah, mm. yeah. So um, a neurologist came in and did the same thing, gave him the timeline. He said, yep. He agreed. I'm agreeing. You know, with my colleague here who's a senior doctor in the ED. We've seen this before. We've seen this before. But guess what? You're the first Moderna patient to roll through these doors that has had that very same reaction. Mm. Holy crap. Yeah. So we were like, oh, okay. So how does this now work? Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, look, you know, we're going to deal with you. We're going to get you on a ward. You know, we, we're going to admit you into hospital. We're going to admit you into hospital, but we'll just have to give you another nasal swab first. Yeah, another one, another yeah, one. Cool. What? Hang so, on, another PCR yeah. test. So this was now within a few hours of yeah, yep. So oh, we'd roll. So we'd rolled through the COVID tent, probably let's say four hours previously. Yep. They wanted to swab him again because their tests were different inside the hospital. Than outside the hospital. Morons. Help me. That's right. Morons. And um, what did you say? Sorry, mate, you're not assaulting me? Or you just, you, you allowed it to go ahead? I, quali- I, um. You pleaded with them. Yuck. 
can't think of the word, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, he pleaded with them. He was like, nah, honestly. I've just had this thing. And they just didn't want to have a bar of it. Yeah. They were going to do that to you. Yeah, I said, how can it be any different three, four hours down Mm. the track? How can it be any different? Yeah. I cooperated. That's the word that I was thinking. You cooperated. Yeah. Mm. So he thought, okay, for me to get through those doors, to get onto a ward where they're going to see me, where they're going to investigate, where they're going to do this, I just have to do it. Mm. Yep. So I had to pin him to the bed. Mm. My God. I had to pin him there. I had to hold his chest and his Mm. arms and I had to hold his head down so they could do this again to him. My God. It's sheer assault because when yep. you push that uh, swab beyond the uh, area of the hairs, the uh, nostrils, yep. you don't know what a person's internal turbinates are like and the way they push that swab in mm-hmm. scrapes the membrane and can cause major irritation, can even perforate the uh, cribriform plate and cause a CSF leak, cerebrospinal fluid leak, and outright meningitis and death. This is a criminal assault. Yes, it really is. It goes well past the nostrils. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah, I, I've experienced mm. it. I actually nearly um, punched the lady. That's right. Um, and it, it wasn't... been quite genuine to do so. It yeah, was well, it, wa- it, wasn't, it wasn't a, um, oh, you know, you've just assaulted me, I'm going to punch you. It was literally a, a reflex action I went mm. through. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and I'd actually had a, a sore inside my nose at that point, mm. and it was very, very painful. Anyway, so shame on these people. So... You've you've gotten admitted mm. into the ward. Yep. Tell us about that experience. Um, so, I think I was there for about eight hours when I started asking for something to eat, and I said I, I explained that I couldn't swallow anything hard; I could only swallow pureed food. The response I got back was that you, we don't have anything here to feed you. What? That's unbelievable that because quite, they always have things ready for. That was quite people. disturbing. After eight hours, to know yeah. that I was in one of the best WA hospitals. Yes. Oh my god! So this is so this is from going through that emergency department to him now being on the ward. I was I had to leave him. I could be in the emergency department with him under my clearance, vaccination clearance, but I couldn't go to the ward with him. The vaccination where you can still get. COVID and pass yeah, it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you weren't allowed into the ward with him? No, I wasn't allowed into the ward with him, so he was very um N- Now fear- kind of getting frightened. Yeah, getting mm. very frightened. I mean, he probably hasn't been to a hospital since he was a child. Yeah. yeah. And been admitted mm. and stayed. And, but with all of these assaults um, yep. and this, you know, safe and effective injection, medical procedure, um, with everything that has happened, I can imagine... Well, I'd be the same. Yeah, well, Ben's first words when we arrived there, he said, listen, if they're going to try and jab me again, you can get me out of there. 100%. Mm. Okay. And how are you feeling at this point, Sharon? Very we, anxious. You're not allowed to be there with your husband. No. That's disgusting in its own right. Yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, how long did you end up being in, in this ward for, Ben? Uh, around about 20 hours. I didn't sleep a wink. The first night, probably through fear, uh, didn't want to close my eyes and actually go off to sleep in case they were going to come and jab me again, not knowing what that would. Um, yeah, yeah. Hang on a minute. Cause. Did they feed you anything in this time? Uh, in the morning, they come around with um, some pureed. Apparently, it was pureed. Um, egg. Yes, um, egg. 
like omelet Scram- type thing. scrambled egg. It was like right. it was like scrambled egg, but when I spoke to him because I was you know I was in contact with him as much as I could be via phone. Via phone, he said it's as hard as a rock. How's anyone meant to eat that? That's right. It, it's dreadful. That's just sort of standard cooking. Mm. And when that nurse gave you the brush off from having not having soft pureed food, I rather suspect it was probably not deliberate policy, but she was probably run off her feet dealing with all the other COVID patients she had yeah, to look they, after. Yes. And that's right. And they admitted that they had wards full of COVID patients, yeah. whether they were those that were obviously infected with the virus mm. or... or or those or that were jabbed, yeah. which I suspect um, is what it's what, what it was. Yeah, um, because we're just this information's coming out more and more now, mm-hmm. and people are putting the pieces together. People are tracking the data, and they're not all your co-opted professionals um, out there. They're citizens, concerned citizens, intelligent people. We are going to get to the truth. We're going to get to the bottom of this whether they like it or not. Mm. Okay. So um, 20 hours, uh, get, I'm, I'm starting to guess that you, you didn't really eat anything in that 20 hours, mate. No. No, nothing no. at all. I think, oh he, I think he might have had some orange juice. Wow. Uh, um, and, the, and, and let's name and shame this hospital. Fiona Stanley. Disgusting. Mm. Their neurological ward, 6B. Yep. Mm. Right. Um, take note of that one, everybody. Mm. We'll we'll um, we'll I, get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. I just um, you know, under the circumstances, you'd think that you know they're going to be there to help you. It was sounded promising from the emergency department. It sounded promising. It sounded promising that they were now going to get him on the right medication. They were going to give him the methylprednisolone. They were going to give him other um, medications. You know, I left there with. Nervous. I yeah. was very nervous mm. in leaving him. Um, but, but hopeful. But I was hopeful that, you know, we're on the right track. He's going to get somewhere. Yeah, get we're, somewhere. we're going somewhere yeah. now. Yeah. Now, can we just talk about the medicines? That's right. The methylprednisolone, as far as I'm aware, they finally did not give him the, meth- the methylprednisolone. No, they didn't give him anything. Right. That means finally that when they didn't give it to him, they didn't think it would be multiple sclerosis because if it was MS and he would have had this supposed MS severely, I would have thought they'd have given him methylprednisolone to try to uh, calm down everything. That's this, interesting. Uh, this that suggests to me they realise it is a, a vaccine damage, a COVID jab damage mm. that's caused It's an this. admission in its own right. It is, yeah. yes. Okay, so now you've... You've been discharged from the hospital without any treatment. What was the what was the reason given to you for no treatment? Uh, so they didn't want to give anything in case of another adverse reaction from the treatment. <sighs> uh, well, certainly methylprednisolone. Prednisolone does have side effects of its own, but uh, they're outweighed by the risk of you having further uh, neurological damage. And usually once they give it to you, they taper it off. And the damage caused by steroids are a different thing. It just basically makes you uh, eat more, become a bit fatter and makes for thin skin, etc. But these are things that develop only over time. So uh, that explanation doesn't really make any sense to me, except that the diagnosis was not. Multiple sclerosis. Okay. But they never said that to They you. never said no. that. So they just mm. said, look, you know, from that emergency department, we were admitting him to the ward. This is what our treatment plan is going to be. This is what's going to happen. Are you right to stay for five days? 
I said, I'll do mm. anything. If you need to, I'll do anything. This is at the beginning of this the was, visit? Yeah, this was at the beginning. Okay. And but so that turned into just a 20-hour stay, that, no, no treatment. Yeah, turned into a 20-hour stay, no treatment. No food. No food. And mm. just come back in two months when you've had another MRI so we can mm. see what's going on. No discharge papers. That's what? terrible. They should always provide discharge papers, one's immediately with them and another lot sent to the GP. No. Especially for people from a country area, you always treat country people as superior because of the difficulty in communication and the fact you have to hold the GP's hands with difficult diseases. Well, we'd had we'd had that with children before. You know, you mm. take them to hospital, you end up leaving the hospital, you've got discharge papers. That's right. Should something go al- mm. go wrong yeah. along the way, you've now mm. got those discharge papers as right. to give as information. Proof. But here, the medical. Um, Record keeping and the uh, control by the bureaucrats of proper doctoring is uh, interfering with proper patient care. It's like GPs telling patients they think, well, patients that are unvaccinated aren't going to go and see them in the car park rather than seeing them in the surgery. I mean, Mm. it's created an apartheid system and I suspect as a preparation to try to genocide all the people who are unjabbed and all the people who are jabbed, their children will never have children of their own. It's a dirty long-term plan to destroy us all. all. It, feel, it certainly feels that way. It and does. I think the, the evidence is really starting to reveal that that's what the case is. Mm. It's starting to stack up. It's that's starting right. to stack up in a big way. Uh, okay, so thanks for coming. Go home for two months. Meanwhile, Ben's becoming more and more paralysed yeah. and having more episodes of... What tell me what happened in that two months? So in the two months, he basically became a vegetable status. Yeah, he basically became um, he couldn't he couldn't move too far from a chair. Um, if he was to move too far from a chair, he needed some kind of help sometimes. Yeah, um, he wasn't able to. Uh, it, it got to the point where he wasn't able to um, self care. And yeah, and that's where things. we're still at right now. Yeah, yeah, that's where we're still at. Yeah, um, and and Ben, oh, 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 you, you seem not too bad today to me compared to when I saw you last. I, I think when I saw you last, you were really like yawning after speaking for a couple of minutes. So, mate, it's um, I look at myself in the mirror, Andrew, and I think much the same thing. I think I look fine. I should be fine. Well, I can I tell have, you've got a bit of a droopy side to your mm, face and I, things like I that. I have progressively on the inside, especially with my brain and cogs, have just progressively become worse and worse, Def, definitely no better, and not even a day have I felt any better on the inside. Okay. Um, mate, um, okay, so in these two months things have gotten worse, and then what happened? You, you Did you... Tell me what what was the next thing. So we weren't we weren't keen on going to a GP. You know, if anything popped up, we kind of just made notes about it. Um, we did a lot of research. We were looking at you know what they were thinking, um, because finally the discharge papers had been mailed to us. Um, so we oh, were, thank you for that. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. So uh, so with with that information, I was you know I was researching as much as I could. I was looking at alternative medicines, um, alternative therapies, um, just trying to keep his morale um, high. Yeah. I didn't want him spiralling down. Um, 
Although my memory is extremely bad and has been the whole time, to the point whereas if I have a conversation now in another hour, I would have forgotten every word of that conversation. I'm sure something as important as take vitamin D for the two months that you go home for, I would have somehow stamped that in my brain so that I wouldn't have forgotten because it's significant and important. But when those discharge papers come out and they said it it was written on those papers to take vitamin D for the Mm. period before coming back in two months, I just started taking them every day. Yes, of course, especially now in the winter period. Mm. Yep. Mm. Um, Now... Can you just enlighten the audience the, what vitamin D does for you? Right? Yes, uh, vitamin D basically enables you to absorb calcium properly. But vitamin D has since been found to have a lot of protective effects on disease. And they found that people who get multiple sclerosis have a very low vitamin D level. And this explains why the multiple sclerosis is rare in Queensland but common in Tasmania and New Zealand. That was not noticed for many decades and its discovery came as quite a surprise for people. That's why you have a lot of doctors saying you need plenty of certain vitamins. Right. Okay. Now, so then this brings us forward to April um, and you've, you're having now your second MRI scan. Yeah, so um, moving forward to, to April, we had that second MRI at Mandra. Um, it was the only one that um, we could uh, accessibly get to um, without obviously further travel and what have you, um, for what they required of Ben to have, um, which was a full brain, spine... um, MRI? Yeah, MRI Mm. as such, yeah. Mm. And, sorry, I remember before we started the show, you were saying that you had to demand of them that they would do scans on... Everywhere else, yeah, pretty much. We've we've had to demand the whole way along um, when requesting scans or when they're suggesting scans. We've had to demand whether you know it's all inclusive, um, mm-hmm. as they were only just willing to pick maybe maybe the brain or maybe the um, sacrum or. So yeah, you, well, yeah. you sorry, they, they called it a multiple sclerosis, so they should be scanning the whole spinal cord because you so often have lesions there too. Yeah. Yeah, mm. but what just blows me away is that the, the, during this entire tale, you've you've had to insist that they do their job properly. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. So through at, at no point did they ever say to you, and listen, I really think because of this we need to get this done. Da, 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 da. No, there was nothing of that. It was always my suggestion. I went to every appointment with Ben. It was always my suggestion as to what they are to do next. Yeah, and that, that's the problem too because I believe they want you to pay for all these scans and the government won't give you a subsidy for them unless he has yeah. seizures. Yeah, so yeah, yeah it, um, if he was classified as has, having seizures, mm. we wouldn't have to pay a cracker. But yep. we've had to pay for every single scan, every single medical appointment, every single everything. Mm. Just another way of draining your bank account yeah. after hurting yep. you like that. So, so much for Medicare. So much mm. for Medicare. And we've got – we're going to – we're going to end, uh, wrap up the show today with a, a discussion about that side of mm. it. So let's just stick with the medical side for now. Um, what came out of these scans, this, this latest sort of scans at the beginning of April this year? So that showed about another 20 
lesions. So in the brain. Yeah. So from the discharge of Ben in April, um, uh, it was about the end of March. That's that he right. Was discharged from Fiona Stanley. Fiona Stanley till the beginning of May. Things had progressed internally. Things had progressed. Okay, so we've just stepped forward a little bit there, but um, you had the second MRI in April, and then I believe you it turned out later on that there had been a referral for you to go to the Adverse Reactions Clinic. Yeah, that's right. In uh, Charlie Gardner Hospital. Correct. Hospital. Um, right, now you never actually did get admitted to the Adverse Reactions no, Clinic, so we, we only found out about that through, obviously, the, the next appointment with the um, specialist, um, but I, um, Ben hasn't been to the Adverse Reaction Clinic. Um, we had a text message come through to say that uh, your case has been listed with the TGA and also the Adverse Clinic here in Western Australia. These are the details. Somebody will be in contact. Okay, but you know, no one ever made contact, did they? Not until recently. Uh, uh, months later. Mm. Yeah, we're talking about from, let's say, when all this started unfolding at the beginning of February till June. Just clarify for me, how did you find out that there had been a referral to the Adverse Reactions Clinic but you'd never actually received that information? So the only information we'd received was the text message. And we thought, oh gosh. What's from the Adverse Reactions Clinic? From the Adverse Reactions Clinic. Mm. We thought, mm, okay, this is a bit bizarre, like nobody's mentioned anything before. Uh-huh. And then what you've done a bit of digging and found out that there actually had been a referral. Yeah, so um, when Ben had the appointment on the 2nd of May with the specialist at that two-month mark for the review, he stated then that it had been listed and the Adverse Clinic would be in contact because you're a country patient, we think that they might just do a phone consult um, and, yeah. Okay, now this is, to, just to go back a step, this happened um, in the, at the beginning of May this year. Yes. Just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And um, by this stage, Ben, is it true you were just full-time in a wheelchair by then? Yes, I was. Is and that still the – sorry, mate. Any time I had to go out of the house and go – from a place where I couldn't walk any more than maybe five metres. Right. Yeah. So that's why the wheelchair's not here right now because you pulled up right at the back right of the house. Right at the back door. Right. Yep. Mate. So he can make those few steps. He, um, We've got a house with handrails on the outside, so he uses the handrails to get up and down the steps. Fortunately, there's only a few. Um, yeah, that's right. I've been there. Only yeah. like three steps. Yeah. So um, we've got a long hallway, so he uses the wall as a buffer. Um, to get him up and down the hallway um, and furniture around the house. But other than that, when we're going somewhere, he needs to be in the wheelchair. Gosh. And courteous of some very kind people who have donated some uh, showering chair and wheelchair. I would be lost without these people. Oh, mate, mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, listen, let's just interject right now. I know that there's a... Not not GoFundMe, is it? Or is it My, my Cause? cause? My Cause. Um, can you just tell everybody about that? Because um, I'd really, really appreciate our audience possibly making a donation if you think that this is um, a worthy cause, which, which I certainly do. 
Yeah, so um, a kind friend through um, just us openly speaking about this at a community event that we had here in Bridgetown um, set up this page for us mm-hmm. um, to obviously help us out. And how do people find that page? Uh, so it's mycause.com.au and I believe there's a link to Ben Price. Okay. Um, and it might be stated as vaccine injury, but I can... Yeah, I'll need to get that link and I'll put yep. that in the description of the show. Definitely. So that people can um, help you out. I hope they will. Um, we really appreciate what what our community has done for us and also the greater community. You know, we've had people reach out from Sydney. We've had people reach out from all over Australia. Um, I've recently been talking with a uh, lady um, who's in a similar situation as Ben and we, we just compare notes. Great. Yeah, so it's great. Yeah. And of course, Jay, whose house we're in today, she's been a really, really good supporter. Yeah, Jay has been um, immensely supportive in this. Um, Yeah, very proactive in in helping us uh, get the message out to others that, you know, this is not normal. Yeah. You need to speak out. Yeah. We hear these stories of people going to the hospital and being told that, Oh, you're having a very normal reaction to the vaccine. It shows that it's working, and that's all bunk. That's complete BS, everybody. Okay, so um, we're now in uh, early May. During May, you started to get um, some more symptoms with memory loss and stuff like that. Um, Is that right? But tell us all about it, mate. That's correct. I just... I really can't find the words at the moment. I'm sorry. Yeah, so all along this journey, Ben's been very fatigued and it takes a lot for him to think of words, um, even to put a sentence together. Like like when you're really tired. Oh, yeah, like extremely tired. Mm. Um, He has explained that um, it is the feeling of when you're intoxicated Mm. um, and just that feeling all the time. Yeah, twenty four seven. Twenty four seven. So much is just out of your control. It is a bit like being overwhelmingly drunk all the time. Mm. Okay, so and this is the latest symptom to present, and yeah, um, it's stayed. Unfortunately, um, it is one of the symptoms that has stuck. Right now, that brings us really up to today. Yep. What kind of medications are you on? So we went to the specialist on the 2nd of May. He was scratching his head, did a um, physical examination with Ben, watched Ben walk down a corridor. He basically said to Ben, hey, listen, look, you know, you need to get out of the chair. Ben said, well, I need it because, you know, this is a long corridor to Mm. walk to you. Then I've got a long corridor to get to the front door. Then I've got an even longer corridor or or, um, pathway to get down to the car. And... uh, just speaking to you, Mike. This, this specialist, um, I don't hold a great um, confidence with him. And he's from Sir Charles Gardner? He's from Fiona Stanley. From Fiona Stanley, okay. And hang on, you were saying that he was even being derogatory towards you? He was, yeah. What yep. sort of things was this bloke saying? I, I remember you telling me that he was picking on the shoes that you were wearing. Yeah, he was making fun of me. Yes. Yeah. So he was he was picking on Ben for um, Ben's got some comfortable shoes. Yeah, what we know, all do. Yeah, uh, they're his work shoes. 
and uh, they got a few holes in them, you know, as you would for a Tyler and what have you, mm. you know. But I'm just trying to figure out in my head what, what in the hell, what relevance it was. There was no relevance. No, there wasn't. He, he just decided, he just thought it was... It, yeah, it he was just thought it was fun to... Appropriate yeah. to make, to start saying derogatory things about yep. the shoes you're wearing and um, and get up out of that chair. Yeah. Like, yep. Almost like you're putting it on. Yes, uh, some, some, yeah, somewhat. Yeah. But I think he just, I, I think he, he had a nervous side to him. He had a nervous side that he didn't really want to admit that this was vaccine related. Yeah, he didn't mm. want to admit that the condition he thinks he's diagnosing Ben with is MS, mm. and that became um, that come from me. I had to prompt him. So you're now going to give Ben some medication. And us a booklet to take home, to read about, do our own research. But you think that this is MS. And his comment was, yes, I think. I think, I don't know. I don't know. Did he arrange any other um, scans or? Nothing. Did no, no actual investigation? No, he looked at the computer screen. He said, these are your scans. Uh... The report from the radiographer is not very clear. I don't really know how to read it. He and said that to yeah, you? Yeah, he said that to us. Oh. And he said, I'm not, I'm not overly confident in the um, scans as such because I can't really read them either. <laughs> Sorry, I can't get my head around this. Yeah. Um, It it sounds like that he's had a number of small lesions. It's very hard for the radiologist to see, but the unfortunate neurologist is not as well trained as a radiologist in reading a scan, so he can't give a precise answer either. There's only one other thing. If you really thought it was uh, multiple sclerosis, he should have given you a lumbar puncture. That's where they put a needle in the back and they take out some of the cerebrospinal fluid. And here my... uh, knowledge is a bit uh, old-fashioned because mm. I haven't caught up with it in the last 20 years. What they used to do is they used to test the protein there for what's called oligoclonal antibodies, but I think they'd be able to define it a bit more clearly. So I wonder, did they stick a needle in your back every any time and give you a lumbar puncture? No, they didn't. Okay, right. so this bloke uh, is saying to you, I don't understand what I'm looking at here. He, he hasn't done any further investigation. He hasn't, and, and I mean, he hasn't done the. He hasn't gotten the spinal fluid to investigate that. He hasn't phoned the uh, the MRI people to, mm, to the radiologist, get some, mm. radiologist to get some assistance with interpreting the scan. He's just making a decision that he thinks it's this. Yep, and he's going to send you on your way. Yeah, yep. Incredible. Have you ever had blood tests done? I've had numerous blood tests. You've done mm. lots of blood tests. And what did, did anything ever come out of that? Uh, the only thing that I think was a little bit substantial was that I'd had a N protein, which proves that you've had COVID. Mm. Okay, and we're a little bit hazy on what, on that's what that all means. about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. At, at the time and till now, I have not had COVID and I am under the understanding that you cannot get the antibody or the N protein off of the COVID jab itself. Yeah, so we're not too sure about that, but his bloods came back and they stated that um, 
Everything was normal. Everything was normal. Um, there was nothing untoward. They picked up that obviously he'd had chicken pox um, in his late teens and that was still um, detectable as such. Mm-hmm. Um, and they picked up that, yeah, regarding this COVID screening um, that they were doing, that it could be that he's either contracted COVID or from the vaccination. But there was no, there was no clear answer. Right, okay. And this specialist, um, I'm assuming, did he even ask you about the blood work? No, I took a big folder with me. I took everything with me. Did he take it and look at it? No. No. I went through the timeline with him and as soon as I mentioned COVID jab, he shut me down. Ah. He shut you down like saying, no, it's not that? No. Straight up. So his entire attitude Mm -hmm. during the entire consultation. Yep, 27 minutes and I've got it on recording. That's right. Yeah, right. And we we spoke about that mm. last time. Yep. I decided no. I've had enough of this. I've I've gone to so many doctors. I'm now starting to get you know uh, fatigue myself in retaining all the information. And I'm thinking, you know, we're at a specialist. Sharon, are you willing to share that recording at any Most point? Most definitely. Um, listeners, please make a comment below and let us know if you'd like to hear that. Uh, Because what I'd like to do is get together with some other people that could possibly shed some light on what this person's Mm. saying uh, so that we can do a proper review of that Um, and we'll talk about that uh, after the show. Okay, so now we're getting towards the end of this session but I really want to talk to you about Centrelink. You're spending thousands and thousands of dollars um, mm. through no fault of your own. Yep. And you're telling me you, you just can't get Centrelink. Well, it's been a long road with Centrelink. So um, after the first initial uh, visit, I suppose you say, to a doctor and what have you, and they basically said, look, he's in- incapacitated. He can't work. Yep. Um, Disability. It's a disability now. Yeah, yeah. so they were, they were pointing down the direction of disability, get in contact with Centrelink, see what they have to say um, and go from there. So I did. I got in contact with someone. Fortunately, I got a lovely man from Western Australia that was very compassionate. He walked me through the whole process. Um, he said, in the application that you're applying for disability under the circumstances, uh you will have a section in there that you can start with New Start Medical. So as they get the ball rolling for disability pension, you're still getting a payment of some kind yep. from Centrelink. You're exempt from working. Um, you're exempt from looking for a job as such. And that should start the ball rolling. It started the ball rolling and then it came to a screaming halt. Um, I've been numerous phone calls to them, backwards and forwards, and it wasn't until I got a lovely lady from the disability side of things and she said, look, we can't proceed with um, Ben's disability payment as of yet. You've got 13 weeks to, um, to appeal it because from what you have provided to us, with all the discharge papers, um, all the medical paraphernalia, all that kind of stuff, there just wasn't enough supporting evidence. What? 
So the supporting evidence they needed was a diagnosis, a prognosis, and a treatment plan. Which no one will give you. Which we hadn't had until that 2nd of May. Just recently. Yeah, so we're talking about mid-February that I contacted Centrelink and uh, started the ball rolling with them as to his incapacity to work um, to 2nd of May. Okay, and... Um, I'm I'm just I'm just confused because it sounds like you've got enormous volumes of evidence. Mm. Yeah, so evidence. I right. absolutely every bit of piece of paper that I had, every um, documentation, every doctor's visit, every, I asked them for everything. Yeah. Mm. So the doctors gave me stuff. Uh, specialist did give me stuff. Um, you know, and I was open, and I said, "Look, you know, he's going to need some kind of payment." I. Mm. If That's I, right. He can't work. I no, mean, obviously he can't so. work. And I'm, I'm obviously trying to hold down a job. But mm. at that point, I was, you know, having to attend my medical appointments with him, having to take a lot of time off That's of work. Right. You should be getting a carer's allowance. Now. I just started this new job that I was thinking, you know, mm. this is going to go somewhere. This is going to give us a bit of financial freedom. Um, yeah, and it all stopped dead in the water. And and why? Can you tell me a little bit about why it stopped dead in the water? I mean, we've talked about a few things but um what specifically was it that doesn't qualify you for a payment so because he didn't have a diagnosis a a treatment plan and a prognosis and and, hang on a minute there's still no treatment going on Hmm. um not until the 2nd of may so we've gone from february right up until the 2nd of may when we saw the specialist and um when he said he thinks that Ben has MS, he's decided to put Ben on a – they say it's a trial drug. Well, no, actually, that wasn't the words. He said that it was used in all of his MS patients. He has about 85 of them. And there could be some, you know, stuff that medically happens, you know, um, reactions and stuff like that. So he put Ben on to – this medication um, from the 2nd of May. So he's only just recently started it. But it's for MS and we still yeah. don't know we that that's what it is. We still don't know that it's definitely MS. Um, have you gotten a second opinion on that? So we did go to another um, specialist, paid for. Mm. Yeah. This time not through the hospital system, so definitely had to pay for them, mm. um, for an opinion. And this was a longer consult. But he basically said, look, I'm backing that doctor. I'm telling you now that what I'm seeing here, what I'm reading here, what whatever this is, we're looking at MS. So I suggest you just take that on the chin and off you go start the medication. Yeah, all right, the medication. But there you have a diagnosis and you have a treatment plan. Yeah, yes. That's what I'm confused yeah. about. Yeah. So we're currently still in fights with Centrelink. Mm. Just last week, we had a win. They've decided to pay Ben a new start medical payment with a back pay from the time of application. Uh, okay. So it's, it's you, you, not you significant. Get, you're, you're getting somewhere, yeah, but it's not mm. what you need. We're starting to That's right. And you need a carer's allowance as well, yes. whether you work or not, because you yes. have to do so many Well, hey, things. listen, yeah. the government did this to you. That's right. Yeah, so it's a long road. Um, 
I can't. It's been a battle, but I can't fault the people that are on the end of the phone. The disability people that we have been dealing with regularly on the phone to Centrelink and that department, they have been so compassionate. That's good. Well, that's a relief to hear that. Yeah, I think I'm going to point out with neurologists, it's often very hard to make a diagnosis. So a case of presumed MS and things or atypical MS or something is a very common sort of thing. That's even before they started having all these jabs and Mm. wrecking the whole thing. Mm. But So you have to keep emphasising the association with the jab because the doctors are being instructed to forget it, like that specialist said to you. So we have to keep this momentum going. Otherwise, the whole country is going to fill up with invalids. Uh, Yep. Part of me. Just speak into your mic, though. That's right. They're... um, you know, but this is going to continue. And this is mm. why we decided we're not very open people. We don't, you know, we, we don't let you know our personal details. No, you don't You know, we, mm. we live in a small country town. You, mm. don't, you don't need to know those kinds of things. But this was imperative. That's this right. Was, Especially when you had a GP who committed suicide here. Yeah. I mean, it should have been a wake-up call to the people of Bridgetown. Definitely. Yeah. Um, what do people say to you when you're out on the street you're getting some support i know you said you've had a lot of support but um, i'm talking about just the regular person who's have you had any sideways glances or any negativity um sorry just speaking to you mike we have we've been downtown a couple of times um you kind of do get the people that you know shuffle to the side kind of thing um they might Look at you a bit different. Um, obviously, if Ben's if he's capable, he'll try and walk. Yeah. Um, into our supermarket, a tiny little IGA, um, and in there, you know, they kind of they, they just want to divert. They don't they don't want to they don't want to cross paths with you. Um, well, you, we, we've still got. I mean, the, the damage that the government's done and the mainstream media have done with this fear porn. I mean. It's not uncommon at any point in the day to see someone driving alone with a mask on. Yeah. Um, What saddens me is I see so many elderly people in our town. They're in the fresh air. Yeah, and they've got the mask on. There's nobody else around Mm. them except maybe their partner next to them. Yeah, these Mm. poor people. They have a mask on. I just... You know... A lot of people on the freedom movement side uh, love to do the mask. I can't do it very well, like <laughs> like a sheep sort of thing. But I don't think that's really fair um, because, you know, for some of these people, they're genuinely afraid. Yeah. Oh, you can mm. see it, definitely. Yeah. We have an elderly demographic here um, and you can see that they are so scared. You know, they've mm. they've watched the TV for so many years. They've yep. listened to the media for so many years, you know. And, and they, they're not uh, proficient on the internet, so they're not seeing no. the alternative mm. viewpoints. Mm. They're yeah. not, well, not aware of the Confucian saying. I don't know if Confucius actually said it, but he who wear condom when alone in car, sorry, when, when he who wear face mask when alone in car also wear condom when alone in bed. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, thanks for that, yeah. Mark. Um, thanks. Um, it's, it's, I guess, nice to have a quick laugh after yeah. this, this yeah. disastrous yeah. story. So moving forward, we're just trying to find the positives in every day. If it's just something, minor 
Yep. You know, mm. we're just we're rolling with it. We're keeping the positives. We're not we're not letting them get us down. That's right. Um, and we will keep fighting to find the answers. Now, Sharon, I've got to ask you: Are you getting any kind of um, uh, what's the right like psychological assistance? Like you know, just no. even just counselling, just to help you through because no. this is going to be. I'm assuming this is very, very tough on mm. you. Oh, it's extremely it's tough. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I see that this is lifelong. Um, I've acknowledged that. Um, I'm not receiving any counselling as such. Um, have any of these doctors or anyone that you've spoken to over these last few months suggested that they could help you out and get you some sort of support no. for yourself? No. no. I'm, I mean, I don't know how many times I can say that I'm just utterly astonished mm. Mm. Um, well, there should be social workers who are assisting the doctors yep. here, not just occupational therapists and physiotherapists. There should be some organised group, and if perhaps Bridgetown's not big enough to have it, should be organised with other towns like Manjimup to provide mm-hmm. a service for yep. people who are caught in these situations. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Now, now, what about your children? I remember you saying to me that one of them is having a really tough time of it. Yeah. How, how's... How are they going? So our youngest has suffered really badly through this. Um, so right from the get-go, right from as soon as COVID was mentioned, as soon as the fear-mongering came about, as soon as it was, you know, ridiculed about between the kids in school or... How old is the, your youngest? Um, she'll be turning 15 this year. Right. Yeah. So, and very impressionable. She's very mm, close to her dad. Mm. Um. And once all this kicked off earlier this year, she didn't want to leave his side. Mm. She wow. didn't. She did not. So you know the implications of what's been happening in society and communities mm. and and those kinds of things ha- has made an impression on her mm. mentally. But then actually seeing what her father is going through yeah. has made it concrete. And are your kids um, fully on board with you that this is the, this was caused by the vaccine? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Right. And, and has there been any counselling for them? No. No. What's wrong with this healthcare system? It's so broken. That's right. It has been gradually deteriorated for the last 40 years and certainly as long as I've been a medical student when the amount of uh, total government money given to uh, m- medical and health uh, funding gradually went down. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We've got a job ahead of us, don't we, guys? Yeah, we sure do. So in our current situation, we're reaching out to our um, community that we've now formed mm. um, and mm. that we're now a part of. I call them our big family. Yeah. Um, so obviously all the freedom freedom people. movement people. Yeah. Um, here in Bridgetown and also further further out. You know, we, um, we've met some lovely people in Bunbury. Um, we've had contact with people from the eastern states. So, you know, they've become family. Yeah. They've become and, and, our network. And Deb, who's here today, yeah. who's also, everyone, very involved with the WA Conscious Businesses. Yes. Um, Please go check that out. Um, that's another story in itself. And we're actually mm. going to do um, – we did talk about that a little last night, but we're going to do uh, a session with herself and um, Paul Richardson who who started that. Very good. Um, okay, you guys, um, just uh, – um, this is, you know, a shocking story. Mm-hmm. 
Um, for the audience out there, please, once again, if you can become a part of uh, Sharon and Ben's big family, we'd really, really appreciate it. As discussed earlier in the session, um, we will put the MyCause link details in the description below. Please check that out as well. Um, and with that, I'd just like to thank my co-host today, Dr. Mark Lofts. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for being here. Um, ben, mates, all the best in the future. I will continue to stay in touch with you guys. Um, if you don't hear from me for a few weeks at a time, you know I'm just running all over the countryside doing these sort of yeah. things. But I'll definitely do a follow-up with you. Um, Sharon, um, mate, you're doing an amazing job. I'm, I'm, I'm really Thank impressed. You. I'm really impressed. You, you, you know what you're talking about. I really get that mm. sense. Um, and just... Your, um, there's a word that I'm looking for, but your courage in standing up to these doctors is to be commended. And I really, really hope that people listening out there um, take it upon themselves to act like Sharon has and don't just lie down and take what these people say to you. You push them and make sure that you get a second opinion if you're not happy. It's different if you're happy with it. Um, obviously, you're going to go with what they say, but... Don't take no or don't take any like lack of assistance yeah. as being acceptable because yep. it's not. It's not acceptable. Mm. You need to keep moving forward and you need to keep asking those questions, finding out the information. And if you don't if you don't hear it from the person that you're speaking to, whether it be a GP or a specialist, find someone else. Exactly. Yep. Yes. Okay, we're gonna close the show, everyone. Thank you so much for listening along. Uh, once again, I also need some support. So if you wouldn't mind becoming a patron of the show, I'd really, really appreciate that. Um, but um, we're going to close the session with a song by a very dear friend of mine, a new friend of mine, but um, Kelly Newton-Wordsworth and her husband, William. Um, hello to you guys. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Uh, this is Kelly's song, Hold the Line. Tyranny